0: Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of The Broad Allen Show. We're chatting with actress Caitlin Huey and musician about her brand new film, Purple Hearts, which is available now on Netflix, which is a fantastic film. And this has just taken uh, people by storm because it's, I I think, probably one of the most popular films on the streamer right now. Uh, When you pull it up, it just pops up like in the top 10 because people just love it. So uh, thank you for your time and for hanging out today.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, let's talk about the movie because you play a very significant part in this and it's just a really fun story. Uh and I think right now with what's out there and for people to stream and just the accessibility of content, I think people are looking for something good to watch. So the first question I would ask is what interested you in becoming a part of the project? What sort of drew you in and made you decide, you know, uh i want to be a part of this great
1: question yeah so in the depths of 2020 as our world was really going through a huge awakening <laughs> i sat with myself i've been an actor for over 20 years and i sat with myself and i was like what do i really care about what kind yeah. of stories do i want to tell What you know, if I'm going to be giving so much of my life and creating a lifestyle around being an artist in this like wild, unpredictable freelance sort of lifestyle, you know, what do I really care about? What do I want to contribute to? And the thing that came up for me was that I really want to tell stories that have a lot of heart and that have a strong message. And this film hits all of those boxes.
0: Yeah, I I think it really does. And again, that's one of the things that I find fascinating about it is like there are a lot of romantic stories, romantic comedies, however you want to label it. And it's hard because there's so many, you know, there's that freedom of choice that people have. But when you have something that is real and relevant, um, I think that's what's attractive to people who consume the content, you know, Mm -hmm. and go, okay, this is something Uh, that I want to be a part of. When you are looking at projects like this and others, do you have a process to sort of vet and decide? I know you touched on it a little bit, but I kind of want to expand on that a little bit and sort of makes you dive in and go, okay, you know, I feel like I could really add something to this, Mm. you know, as opposed to just sort of doing something, you know, just For the sake of doing it, which isn't bad either, but it's good when you can be selective, I would think, especially in your industry.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think for me, I have to have a way in. Uh, is sort of what I call it when I read a script or I sit with a scene. And it's taken me a lot of years to be able to sort of cultivate that. I I definitely in my early years out here in LA just said yes to everything and was just like, Yeah, I'll do that. I'll be in this play. I'll meet sure, you. Yeah, count me like, in. <laughs> you know, I did everything and I had my season of yes and I had my. Yes to everything and exploring everything. And I learned about myself as an artist, and I learned that I need to have a way in. I have to have a connection to the material. And it's actually not ethical for me to say yes to a project if. I don't, if I can't sink my teeth into it, if I can't really be in that world. And so when I got the script, I knew this scene, I knew this moment. I've worked many different jobs over the years. And one of my survival jobs was to work in the box office of a theater, basically doing like customer service. And so I've had a lot of, and I've worked at the front desk in like many different scenarios. So I'm very familiar with this human moment of, Having a job to do, having a structure, having a, a rule book, having a own like a company manual, having a protocol, and really as an employee, like not being able to go outside of that. And my character yeah. in Purple Hearts, she's the cashier at a pharmacy and cannot give Sophia Carson's character what she needs. And yeah. as challenging as that is. I know what it's like to work in a place where I'm like, I'm so sorry, I can't do that for you. And just that weight of it. And I do think that, you know, part of my life experience and then my process as an actor kind of came into that. And the director, Liz Allen, like saw that and um, and sparked that. But my general rule of thumb is I have to have a way in. I have to. Um, want to explore the world, like in my body, I have to want, I have to be drawn to it in some sense. And sometimes the draw of it is like, I'm terrified of this, sure. you know, <laughs> I, I don't, and, and wanting to explore that fear. Oh, why am I so resistant to wanting to embody that character? Why am I so resistant to this type of dynamic? And Um, and then the last piece of it is, is I always like doing projects where I can learn something. And I learned a lot working on this film. I learned a lot about the insulin crisis. I learned a lot about this particular dynamic. So that's kind of my criteria.
0: Yeah. I think that's one of the things that has gotten attention of certain groups is the fact that you all are addressing issues that are like real that exist in today's society. You know what I mean? And I think it's hard when you're taking on a project like this to really address it in an honest and truthful way and not sort of turn it into some sort of like uh preachy message, which you all did not do, which I feel like you handled it well, but I think sometimes it's hard because it's dealing with a lot of issues that are visceral and real to people. You know what I mean? And I think that's what makes the film so good. So Again, um, I could see why somebody would be, you know, drawn into this type of project, because it's just it's that good. And you all do such a fantastic job, the writer, the director, it's all fantastic. And again, just continues to soar on Netflix is one of the most popular, which that has to be wild to hear that I can't I mean, did you? I mean, you've done a lot of projects and been doing it for a while. But is this kind of a first to, to have a movie that is just gained? so much popularity and so much attention because it has to be over i would be i get overwhelmed very easily you know i i go to therapy for anxiety and that's part of why i do this but um you know i don't know how i would handle it uh, especially when you're looking at it and you know, do you read reviews at all or no? You just kind of. I them. haven't
1: read any reviews. That's I d- I good. don't even really know where to look. I'm just like back that's here good. in my
0: backyard. Like, <laughs> I, love it.
1: The best. Um, I don't know if that's my place. I'm a really big believer that once you create something and it goes beyond your body and it gets edited and it gets put into this thing it's so much bigger than me or anybody really who works on it we all contribute to this thing that's bigger than ourselves and it's not our job to control what it brings up for people yeah um and and there's a lot in this like there are a lot of issues that this like you said that are very contemporary we have the red and the blue we have the you know all sorts of different dynamics military, non-military, like there's just a lot of dynamics here. And at its best, art is here to reflect the world that we yeah. live in and help and hold up a mirror for people to really look at this. And it's not our job. And it's actually kind of the point that it stirs the pot a little bit. And people yeah. have feelings about it and people want to talk about it. I think that that's kind of the point.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you, especially, you know, being a veteran and not really, in an era having to deal with benefits and you know how all of that works and you Mm -hmm. know regardless of why the two characters meet and decide because I mean it's out now we're not really spoiling anything but having them come together for one reason and then it sort of evolves into something different and then there's like you know all of that but I think you know, it's interesting you said what you said, because I, when I was interviewing people when I first started, I always used to ask the question, you know, is there a message that you want the audience to take mm-hmm. on a visceral level? And then I kind of realized <laughs> that it's kind of a hard question to corner an actor on, because really, in a way, there might be personally, but at the end of the day, like on a visceral level, you know, your job is to do the best you can to create something and then to let the audience sort of decide where they're going to land with it. Cause really Mm. what you might hope may not be the same thing that people get and take away with, you know what I mean? Mm. So I liked your answer there. That was really good, but it's, it's a great film. uh, And I think it continues to just really sort of impress people on different levels. What interested you, Caitlin, in becoming an actor and storyteller? I know you do music Mm. and things like that, but, was, did one come before the other or was it sort of a natural transition? How did storytelling and acting sort of become part of your life?
1: Yeah. I, from a very young age, I was that kid that was putting on shows at my parents' dinner parties and I was like gathering everybody and writing little stories and casting people as characters. I had like a very wild imagination as a child that like I mean, all the way up until fifth grade, I I had this like imagination that an entire wolf pack like followed me everywhere. Like I just was a very <laughs> magical child. I like lived in another world. I lived in another realm like and then it wasn't until like really fifth grade when I realized like, oh, people aren't pretending they're riding horses at lunch. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, I think I need to like socially drop into like liking boys and <laughs> doing what everybody else is doing middle school. Um, But I think it's just always been a part of me. And my I'm very lucky to have grown up in the Bay Area, which has an incredible public school system and incredible arts education. I was doing community theater since I was seven years old. I was doing musicals. My parents gave me a guitar when I was 12 and like really encouraged me to write songs. And pushed me to be in band and play the trumpet and be in choir. So, I definitely had a lot of support from my parents, but they also wanted me to be like very well-rounded, so I played sports and I rode horses and I went camping and like you know, had lived a very full, rich childhood of just being a really dynamic person that had lots of different sides to myself and it was a pretty natural transition that once I got to high school and everybody kind of started pairing off and people were like, okay, I'm going to go to medical school. And there was a lot of pressure. And I think there still is a lot of pressure for young people to like know what they want to do with their lives when we're really just trying to like figure things out. And I knew a lot of folks that like knew, like, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer, or I want to teach school children, or I'm going into the trades. I'm going to be a plumber or an electrician or a carpenter. And, for me, I looked at, you know, what I had the most experience in and like what I was sort of drawn towards. And, um, it just really opened up to me. I had incredible mentors who helped me get into one of the best performing arts colleges in the country. I went to UCLA and studied in their theater program, which just blew my mind and put me right here in the heart of Los Angeles as a 17 year old with other incredible artists who were also, you know curious about having a full liberal liberal arts education like we really got conservatory style training and then a broad liberal arts education and so again this like sense of real well-roundedness um you know has been a thread for me and of course there have been times where I'm like oh this is like a lot and it's hard and you can get so lost in the shuffle (laughs) but it seems like almost at every point where and that's where it kind of has evolved into like a more existential sort of spiritual journey for me like at every point where I've like thought about abandoning this path like Something comes through that says, like, no, like, you're supposed to be here. This is what you're supposed to be doing. And this film was no different. I, I originally, yeah. I wanted to do the role. I wanted to tell this story, but the dates didn't line up. And I was supposed to be at a, singing at a friend's wedding on the date. And I actually very humbly and politely like declined the project to begin with and the director Liz like wrote me and was like we need to have you what can we do to to have you be part of this story which blew me away because my I have one scene in the film you know and so I was just kind of I'm very used to this sort of identity of artists actors are replaceable (laughs) I was like well she'll just find somebody else and she was like, everyone's telling me to pick my backup choice, but I just don't want to. And and that was just a real moment for me as an actor of like, whoa, like this one scene, like you're willing to move a shoot date and rearrange everything to like help me to have a, a human life and value my commitments to my friends and my community as, as being just a person in the world. So it seems like there's just been this pull, and and it's a dance. There are definitely times where I sacrifice more for it, and I do so willingly, and I do so consciously. And then there are times where I have to have like really strong boundaries just to 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 have longevity, to be able to go the distance. And at the root of it for me, it just because I have this really broad imagination, and literally everything in my life, I'm like scanning for stories and dynamics and characters, and I'm always like looking for it on that level. I think it is just something that I'm built for and something that I'm embracing more and more each day that I'm just like here for the distance.
0: I love it. We're in the Bay area. Are you from, I just moved from there to Colorado a couple months ago. Yeah.
1: I grew up in mountain view.
0: Oh, beautiful area. Yeah. Beautiful Beautiful. area. So I, I spend a lot of time in all those areas, but I don't know if you know where we'll see you have Sacramento, Davis, Dixon, and then Vacaville, California, which is where I lived for 10 oh years. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> the outlet malls, man. That's what we, we're known for is, you know, <laughs> cheap uh, designer things. Um, Very okay. cool. Yeah, I've talked to a slew of folks lately, and they've all are from the Bay Area, which a lot of actors do come from. Andy Samberg. I mean, there's just tons of people that are from that area. That make the jaunt out. Six five oh, yes. Seven oh seven, baby. Yes. <laughs> um, wonderful. Well, this is a great film. I encourage people to watch it. It's available to stream now on Netflix. Uh, and if people want to just check out your other things that you do, your music and all of that, where can they go to do that?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is Caitlin Huey K-A-I-T-L-I-N underscore Huey H-U-W-E. And um yeah, I mostly share a lot of that through there. I have a couple different music projects, one of which I'm super proud of, which I created during the pandemic called WESA, H-U-E-S-A. And she has her own um, platform. She's sort of like my dark witchy alter ego with a pop anthemic um, bangers. <laughs> um, and so you can find her on all streaming platforms. And um, yeah, come say hi to me on Instagram. That's where I am the most